Hey there, you are listening to Tech Talk with Gumlet, where we dive into captivating and candid conversations with industry leaders and startups in tech. Powered by Gumlet, the all-in-one platform for pixel-perfect image delivery, secure video hosting, and buffer-free streaming. Let's dive right in. Hello, uh, thanks a lot for joining today. Uh, welcome to the second episode of Tech Talk with Gumlet. Today's episode is Building Scalable Infrastructure. Um, We'll, we'll dive into different uh, details about how to build it. But let us first introduce our guests. Uh, we are joined by Swanand, who is a CTO at uh, Colon. Uh, Shadman, who is a co-founder at Philo. Punit, uh, who is heading uh, engineering at Apna. And uh, Ramcharan, who is uh, CTO at Quintype. And, and there is a bit about me. I am Aditya, co-founder and CEO of Gumlet. We are a uh, video infrastructure uh, company where we provide everything related to video for as a SaaS platform to companies. Our, our goal is to basically instruct audience about how do we, um, how do somebody start really building a scalable infrastructure, how to scale it, and um, how, how do you basically avoid the pitfalls of uh, building uh, wrong things. Um, so uh, I'm sure like if all had uh, those sleep late night because of some issues with our scale, and um, I think this is going to be a fun one. So let's jump into it. Um, why, why don't we go ahead and like introduce uh, yourself and you guys can introduce and get familiar and then we'll start. All right. I'll go first. Hey, everyone. Uh, Swanand here. Uh, long time product engineer, currently the CTO at Colern. And uh, we are Indonesia's premier uh, ed tech company. We make software for uh, school going children. And uh, I also teach uh, Postgres and SQL to intermediate developers. And I used to run the Bangalore and Ruby group for the longest time. For about 10 plus years and these days i live in abu dhabi and i'm trying to set up a tech scene here uh hey guys uh shadman here uh co-founder and cto at philo i think uh been a long time techie post college uh when put us put some time into the into the ambient systems domain work for classical companies like cisco scientific atlanta then moved on building my own products and then worked with magic fin for about five years and then start off with building Philo. Philo is uh, one of the world's only instant live tutoring platform where uh, students can get connected to uh, tutors over a one-to-one video call in just 60 seconds. I will go next. Hi guys, uh, Puneet here. I am um, heading the marketplace engineering at Apna. Um, Apna, if not many people know, it's the fastest Indian unicorn working in the space of uh, providing professional networking basically uh, for blue collar, gray collar, white collar workspace. Overall, 17 years experience uh, work with companies like Swiggy, Walmart in past, mainly um, scaled with uh, API systems at earth level scale, or also making sure that it's not just the technical skills, but also spend a lot of time optimizing the business, uh, especially in the last mile and e commerce deliveries, right? So that is where I mainly worked on. Um, yeah, nice interacting with you guys today. Thank you. Yeah, hi, um, hi guys. Uh, I'm Ram Sharan. I work as CTO at Quicktype. Uh, I've been working on uh, different programming languages, scale Quintype from uh, from five million API requests to about five billion as of today. Uh, worked on. Uh, um, several programming languages. And like uh, Swanand, I think you mentioned Ruby uh, from the Golang world. Literally, it was a little falls apart, uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully like, we'd like to catch up more on uh, 
on programming paradigms and where how it helped scale infrastructures around okay then uh, so uh, i mean on that point i mean let, let's jump into this one uh, let's say somebody is, is starting up we all start somewhere in in a uh, one fine day decide to write uh, first lines of code first line of framework what it is that that people should really care because i see like i'm part of cto groups and many times questions comes about databases many questions come about languages hey i'm starting today which language should i choose there's no right answer here otherwise it would be sorted but uh, according to your experience what is what is the thing that should one should keep in mind when when starting up to be honest uh, what i want to qualify is uh, if you are completely zero like business is like starting z- day zero then i don't think scaling is that important because uh, you don't even know like how many users you are serving etc and you don't know the context how many what is your need going to be but so i'm i'll say like uh, i want to get past that stage a little bit and let's say we are a little bit past that we did live up poc work tried few things out and now beginning to see users and now like or we are hitting the scale and number of users are going up i think at that point the choices become more important than very very early days in the very early days i personally prefer to just go and play with your strengths like if i'm picking something i'll pick rails postgres redis because that's my comfort stack i know how to wrangle those around if something goes wrong move i i have to move fast i have to rewrite things ditch things i can do those in my comfort stack and so like very early days i generally always prefer uh, going with my stack of choice and as far as like databases are concerned as we'll see like usually in scaling discussions they become the most important uh, decision later on uh, i like my theory is uh, use postgres until proven otherwise like if you can reliably prove to me that you can use something else like just use postgres uh, and then there will be a point when even that won't be enough for you and so that comes like way later so that's that that's what i go with like whatever you are you are the strongest in you pick that uh, and then uh, when you hit those limits at that point like you'll have to make a different choice second consideration is running costs uh, often like in the very early days of business uh, you don't have free cash flow uh, you may not have even raised money or you may not have raised enough or you're running with very limited budgets in those days i think uh, picking a cheaper stack uh, sometimes is beneficial uh, and this is where i think i have seen node shine a lot a lot of the node and go infrastructures for example can run for real cheap uh, on you know even bare metal or aws for example ruby python stack tend to be around 2 to 3x more expensive uh, right and if you're not careful then they can go even higher uh, again this is mostly my personal experience it's not that you can't run a cheap stack in ruby you can obviously but you better know like you need to know what you're doing right so if cost is a factor then uh, choosing a stack that is a little bit uh, inexpensive to run also goes a long way in the in the beginning because in the first one year or two year like you write so much throwaway code like i'm sure like all of us have experienced that you write things that you just throw away all the time right so then why do it uh, in a in a way that costs you a lot of money Uh, and then money when i say money i just don't mean like dollars i also mean like developer time uh, thinking time it's like all 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 currency so to speak right uh, so those are the two two considerations your your currency which is your development time and your money in the bank and then your uh, strength of stack yeah from my point of view yeah definitely agree with sonam uh, like the tech stack choices it's not very great differentiator right these days you can so how you can make sure that 
what whatever you do today right is you can port it anytime in future right keeping that in mind uh, right um, um, so the first design principles in terms of keeping things modular i don't say go for microservices or don't go for monolith but at least design your components in a modular fashion so that you can lift and shift them as and when needed right um, uh, and you can scale components uh, uh, and whatever mistakes you do you can probably limit it to these areas right and and do that so having that first design principle in whatever you do right uh, so that is important so that you can change this uh, that is one point i want to add um, second def and and that goes in defining your repos and all right basic stuff uh, which you do today right uh, to start with uh, how you can design your repos uh, uh, big bucket repos how you design your database maybe maybe monolith but uh, just schema definitions and all how you can define and keep it modular second uh, yeah text choice yes definitely cost is a consideration but also keep in mind what works in terms of developer community and where you can find people to work on easily right in terms of many times you go um, do get things done through consultants uh, in the early phases a uh, lot of things you go and try to hire uh, that way so keeping that in mind that uh, what works for you in terms of hiring also and getting things done faster is also one consideration you can do uh, that way right uh, what support you have uh, what flexibility in terms of replacing your resources key components uh, that is two things which you can keep in mind from my side yeah, yeah um, i think uh, with my perspective I think uh, uh, you'll get a significant edge into what you actually need to do if you have a prior experience of breaking things in your past. Like for instance, in our cases, we had a lot of significant experience in breaking and then scaling a lot of infrastructure when I was in my early days in Magic. So that gave me at least a head start on what should be the alignment. So I think that builds a significant alignment on how things are going to scale uh, in the future. And then you could pre-plan uh, in uh, the present accordingly. Then the second point which uh, at least helped us very initially was uh, in the initial days, uh, using more of managed services a lot uh, rather than actually deploying more things uh, raw was something that helped us out. Because honestly, though managed services are an expensive uh, resource when you're at scale, but when you're at a very minimalistic scale, five user, 10 user, they hardly cost anything. And then that would at least help you or give you more time into actual implementation than uh, actually taking care of scaling and then performance and all that, so on and so forth. So in the very initial days, I would, I would recommend using more of managed services rather than deploying them yourself. Uh, and I think those are one of the most broad uh, recommendations that I would have for somebody who would be starting off uh, very initially. And managed services is for like only like a, let's say database or something no, or for instance, you're talking about like the entire SaaS platform? We started off very easily, very early days with, uh, I think Google has this app scripts or app engine. Yeah. So you can write a Python code and give it to it. It'll, it'll ensure how many cores it needs to give it and how it needs to scale it. So that would help. Like for instance, in our early days, we had an, at a moment of a uh, super surge at one point in time, because the filler product got picked up by Ministry of Education. They put out a tweet out there. It was COVID times, people were not going anywhere. All they had, everybody came out to the platform. And having such services really helped us. We were from a scale of 20 to 2000 in just five hours. 
so that helped us scale really well in the initial days ah, okay interesting stories uh, adding on to the points you've already mentioned right i think one biggest point which uh, which sadman mentioned is uh, he said build versus buy uh, like we we can answer this question soon um, very difficult to proactively say that okay we're building for uh, 10 million 15 million requests 15 million views that's that's something which very difficult to guess but what would help is if you if you can take an educated guess on saying that okay i can pay this much right now and go and release the product soon get some feedback um and then wait for scale and then change fast that's that's the most important thing and that's where i think swanand also mentioned that if you're comfortable with something it's very easy to uh, switch so um so yeah i um, i think i echo on those those two points say where where if you're choosing build versus buy it's easier and then if you're choosing something comfortable then it's easier to switch also so yeah uh, those are two points that echoed a lot got it i think the team composition bit i want to double click on a little bit because you mentioned build versus buy right shadman also mentioned it depends a lot on your team composition if you have like somebody like open source nerd or uh, or somebody like very into devops and all and they want to pick an open source stack and run with it it's going to work for you right it it'll work out for you far better but if your team composition is basically uh, very different you are primarily a product engineers people who are building front ends uh, just back ends and you don't have that expertise then obviously it's not going to work for you and you want to go for uh, a package solution like aws and so which is why like in the early days uh, who you are working with matters way more uh like i'm like if it's postgres like i know like uh, i can do whatever i want with it uh, at least in the early days right and i can run a bare metal postgres server because i've done it in the past so i don't have to go with rds if uh, if i don't if i don't want to right but if then if we don't have anybody like that in the team then the senior choice is just use rds for example right uh, i think a lot of times uh, i do hear the advice okay just always uh, always buy don't build and you want your developers focused on the business value uh, right uh, a little bit of a false dichotomy in my opinion because uh, if your best people are doing the best work then that that derives a lot of business value too right but i, yeah, I, I think it's a, so, sorry to interrupt but i think it's a mix and match right um, it's a mix and match exactly it's a mix and Aditya, match for example, there's, yeah uh, there's an rds there is uh, aurora uh, but at the same time you wouldn't go by hc proxy enterprise or you won't go by nginx enterprise you would still run yeah. nginx open source and then move to nginx yeah. enterprise yeah i am sure like gumlet folks you you run video processing pipelines right like if you're going to use by like a uh, package software uh, it's going to like just eat into your margins quite a bit right as opposed to you have some video processing nerds you know how to use mplay you know how to use like open source bare metal stack you use that that's going to keep your uh, whatever operating costs and uh development time also optimized for delivering that business value so like like i said like the team team composition is something like i pay a lot of attention to in early days yeah and i think that that also like goes into this entire thing of uh, maybe i mean about what is a core core competence as well i mean about like that's how you come we will compose the team as well like for example for us maybe video is the is the core competency we don't want to take anything because we can customize then our own stack in whatever way we want i think i think every company has it 
but but then there are some some things like for example i mean i don't know maybe i'm wrong but something like for example database or or language doesn't it like like stick with company for until the ip or death i mean how how does that i mean how how does one change like database or or say a programming language for example github i think started with uh, with ruby on rails they're still in ruby on rails no problem with that but i mean it's super hard to change it and what are what are the i mean you, have you have you ever like changed it a big time especially the db language those things maybe maybe front end or things maybe can be changed easily but i have actually given us given a talk about our uh, experience on neo 4j to postgres migrate migration this was back back about 6 to 7 years ago we migrated our entire primary database from neo 4j to postgres and we did it with like with a zero downtime all the while like serving around 100 to 200000 requests uh, per minute roughly right so so in terms of pure numbers the scale wasn't high but our data uh database size was somewhere close to terabytes lower lower single digit terabytes uh, and so those things do happen like sometimes like uh, what you thought in the beginning uh, is the right fit ceases to be the right fit later and uh, you do end up like change you do uh, at least you can get into a position where you might want to change into something else later uh, i've also worked with a team who did the other they migrated from postgres away to mongo uh right uh, not uh, my weapon of choice but i i've seen people uh, do that very close uh, clo- close i i did a little bit of consulting with them uh, before uh, before my current job and so these things, uh, so database choices are not very sticky uh, because business itself can be like uh, a little bit agile right sometimes the meaning changes etc you know like you're into like this particular very specific thing uh, right and then uh, and then you build on that uh, it's very rare to see uh, a business not evolve so much from the early days uh, you you have to do what is right and and what gives you the advantage to move fast and iterate faster or serve your users uh, in the, the other way clubhouse or something like you know like for example it went through a rapid phase where it grew really fast i'm sure like they would have rewritten components uh, you know all the time one other one other place where i've seen rewrites happen constantly is your worker queues uh, right you go with like the simplest of worker queues in the beginning but then as your uh, numbers start going up then you have to build in more complexity sometimes you bring in kafka like my favorite kinesis uh, or you like then you go sqs sns etc different flavors so worker queues do undergo a lot of churn like uh, so i've personally like seen the migration from like lambda to kinesis uh, to sqs to finally kafka etc and so those choices are less sticky than we generally think uh, just adding to swanan's point i don't think it's a necessity to change uh, programming languages uh, a lot of times i think uh, uh, again going back to team composition because of team composition we uh, end up uh, looking at uh, programming language changes because sometimes your devs are not equipped to to build stuff in that programming language or uh, you don't see a community that's very useful or a community that's progressing that's also sometimes uh, creeping into your mind that okay I, i can't work with this anymore let me change but that being said if there's something working for you it is very good to invest into the community so if you invest into the community it gives back to you so uh, uh, this is a very um, underrated concept 
if if uh, if you don't want to switch programming languages at least i think people should um, consider giving to giving back to the community so that it gives back to them are there any good examples uh, in your opinion ram sharan like of this happening like giving back to the community so i think uh, for us for us itself right uh, closure um, is a very slow moving dev community it's not a fast dev community um it's not like ruby or go or node right there is there is news about uh, something new in node every day it's not, and not even weekly every day you see something new in node but closure you'll see something once in 6 months uh, somebody would have written a, another function on top of a transfuser and that would become big news but uh, the the point is right um, a lot of you won't find closure devs first of all and existing people who want to write closure needs to switch their function uh, their paradigm think, thinking paradigm itself it's come from an object oriented or an imperative paradigm they need to switch to a functional paradigm they struggle to do it so you it's a longer training process but on top of it it helps to just give back to the community because then you're also uh, getting interest from from other people like for example asura is another company in bangalore which uses uses closure but they also do haskell so um egojek is another company so it's a community that's building stuff for each other it's helping but um i do I, i think people get stuck where when when they don't understand a program i think that's when they should start thinking of giving to, giving back to the community that's what we did in quint type we saw if we could give back to the community and that started gaining some interest yeah. from my point of view right again coming back right uh, these days like data wise migration uh, language migration are very common stuff like every org does that they start with monolith standard frameworks like django within 2 years they move to the microservices right and then so keeping you again going back to that concept of keeping your dell layer separate right so that you can change underlying database anytime needed right there are so many transformation uh, transform uh, etl uh, tools which has been provided which keeps the two systems sync on a time so it's not just the migration one time you can run hybrid database at the same time these days right uh, for the same stack uh, purely people do that also uh so and it all depends on how how you design right if you keep your dell layer completely separately even even two version of same code on two different boxes can run on two different databases at this stage right um, so that granularity also you can generate second coming on the programming languages you have to define what works for your org right at the same time yes sticking to one programming language is important but at the same time with new development especially i saw in swiggy uh, where we were on java and then developers were looking for something new and build and coming up so knowing what is your cpu intensive work uh, what is works well there versus what is your lightweight processes right which works and limiting those choices and giving that choices to your developers and and build that is important right uh, instead of just uh, creating a creating a architecture blueprint right and revisiting it again and again and updating it based on the what you hear from your team with the different use cases is important right so that you can do that yeah i think there is a uh, like point if you consider like latency and throughput there is a the point of diminishing return in both uh, in your current architecture and your current code base right 
you whatever you are currently on you can optimize that a little bit you know bring the latency down uh, and then at some point like you can't do it any any anymore right you have to either switch runtime language do something else you know move things out etc and then same with throughput whatever your current set, setup is like at some point you run out of uh, throughput optimization and you either have to throw more money at problem horizontal scaling those kind of things uh, which like which is what i generally fall back to like do the best you can in your current stack and then at that point like uh, figure out like what's your next step uh, anyways i think sharman you were about to say something i think uh, the question that you had with respect to actually migrating databases i think at least in my experience uh, or what you've seen in our organization is we don't end up migrating the whole database but parts of it are phased out into more sophisticated sets of database like for instance uh, uh in the philo platform there is a session between a student and a tutor and likewise there is a chat that happens between a student and a tutor so initially when we were building out we had the dumbest way to save chat was to dump that into a database table which eventually started to grow up but and we soon realized that and that was also well well known before and as well as well but given that was an easier and a quicker option to take and then later on we removed it from uh, mysql and then built it into more sophisticated formats into more postgres and then a lot of partitioning and all of those to actually make it a lot more scalable so i think uh, it's not that you don't migrate you do migrate but it's not not necessarily need to migrate the whole infrastructure it's you build more sophisticated outcomes once you start to mature and start to grow more as in when you need to scale them out and uh, with respect to the programming languages i think uh, we started off with a very unique choice uh, uh, i think